We need a new system. We need a new society. We need to demand that which may have sounded impossible even a few weeks ago, but is not only realizable, but an imperative necessity. Socialist Program. I'm Nicole Roussel, one of the producers of this show. Brian Becker, the host of the Socialist Program and a longtime socialist organizer, went on a four-city speaking tour this month on the topic, the new McCarthyism and the new Cold War. We want to release for you today his talk at the first stop on the tour on September 14th in Denver, Colorado, with a packed house at the Denver Liberation Center. We urge you to subscribe and support this programming at patreon.com slash the socialist program. Thank you so much for your help in keeping this independent show going. We can make this show with you, but not without you. I want to thank everyone, both those who have helped organize the meeting here today. I want to thank you in particular, Dave, who we just did a radio show with, Justin, Free Speech TV, Emerald. A lot of people here are working together. So, you know, I'm in the Party for Socialism and Liberation. The Liberation Center is, you know, a PSL-initiated project, but As Bruno said, we want to be able to work together. There's no single organization that can do what needs to be done in order to build a broad progressive movement, not simply for the anti-war movement, but for everything. If you're talking about workers' rights, talking about abortion rights, the LGBTQ community, which is under attack. I mean, the many, many, many fronts that this struggle requires also requires us to find a way to talk to each other, work together, emphasize the things that we agree about. And of course, we'll disagree about some things, but that's fine too, as long as we can have a discussion that is genuinely friendly and comradely, respectful. I want to take the topic, the new McCarthyism and the new Cold War, and sort of draw a little bit of some of the historical parallels. And also to, I want to start by talking about the language. It's, the Cold War wasn't really a Cold War. Cold War sounds kind of benign. Like the difference between a Cold War and a hot war is, you would think like people are are in conflict, they're in dispute, but they're not killing each other. And that's not true about the Cold War. It wasn't cold for the people in Korea. Four million Koreans died between 1950 and 1953. The U.S. invaded Korea June 25th, 1950. Probably one-fifth of the population was dead within three years. The main complaint of U.S. pilots by January 1951 was that there was nothing left to bomb because there wasn't one structure taller than one story still standing by January 1951, and the U.S. continued to carpet bomb the country for two more years. Four million Koreans died. That was a U.S. pivot to Asia. The U.S. pivoted to Asia again during the Cold War, and that was in Vietnam. And three million Vietnamese died. 58,000 Americans died. It wasn't cold for the people in 
Guatemala, where the U.S. overthrew the government of Arbenz when it nationalized the United Fruit Company. It wasn't a cold war for the people in Chile when the U.S. CIA organized the coup d'etat against Salvador Allende, who dared to try to build socialism peacefully. He won the election. He had the plurality of the vote, 36% in 1970. But among working class people and among young people, he had 80% of the vote. So the CIA immediately began plotting to destroy the Chilean experiment in a socialism that did not come from armed struggle, that came through the electoral arena. And 30,000 mostly young Chileans were massacred. That wasn't cold, that was very hot for them. In Iran, the US overthrew the democratically elected government of Mohammad Mozegdeh, that was in 1953. That's how the Shah came to power. The US imposed sanctions on Iran. They made the economy scream as Kissinger said they wanted to do about Chile. And the economy did scream. A lot of middle-class people in particular got very upset with the government because they couldn't put food on the table. Poor people generally can't put food on the table in Iran or Chile, so they were used to the hardships, but the middle class became political opponents of the government because of US sanctions, just as they were intended to become political opponents. And then the CIA moved in for the kill and put the Shah on the throne. And for the next 26 years, there were no democratic rights in Iran. Tens of thousands of young people were massacred. It wasn't a cold war for the people in Iran. For the people in the Dominican Republic, the U.S. Marines invaded in 1965. The U.S. invaded Grenada in 1983. These were not cold wars for any of these people. We talk about the Cold War because we weren't dying, except the soldiers who were sent there. In general, the bleeding and suffering was somewhere else. So the Cold War meant the Soviets weren't killing Americans and Americans weren't killing the Soviets, but in the Cold War, millions, tens of millions of people suffered terribly. And I don't think there's been any evaluation of the Cold War if you go and talk to most people and say, well, what was it all about? Well, at the time we were told it was a fight between freedom and democracy on one side and evil totalitarian communism on the other side. Struggle between good and evil. Sound familiar? Like all wars are presented as a war between good and evil when you're trying to organize the population, prepare the population, to do whatever the government wants the population to do in preparation for the next war. In 2001, there was the attack on the World Trade Center. Our coalition, the Answer Coalition, was formed three days after the attack on September 11th. I was in New York. We had friends in the World Trade Center. I watched the World Trade Center come down, actually, one of the towers. We formed the Answer Coalition three days after that, September 14th, today. This is the 22nd anniversary, actually, because there was this little group of New Yorkers who were coming together in Union Square, which you will know where that is, and they were kind of murmuring under their breath, war is not the answer, war is not the answer, and because everybody knew the George W. Bush administration, Bush, Cheney, Rumsfeld, Condoleezza Rice, they were gonna take advantage of September 11th to do the thing they wanted to do, which was to invade Iraq, to redominate Lebanon, 
to take out Somalia, eventually to take out Libya, which they got to later. And finally, the big prize was going to be Iran. So we were chanting, war is not the answer. And we then made the acronym, Act Now to Stop War and End Racism, answer, the Answer Coalition. And we started organizing. And a lot of people at that time said, well, this is not the appropriate time to organize. Country's angry, it's enraged, it's suffering. Like, don't call an anti-war demonstration against the government. If anything, we'll be repressed or suppressed. A lot of people were scared. Thousands of Muslims were being rounded up at that moment. We went ahead and formed it. And for the next, what was it, 2001 to 2018, the war on terror became like a banner that allowed the U.S. to do whatever the U.S. wanted to do. Invade Iraq, bomb Libya, go to war against Syria, use the Saudis to carry out a war against the people of Yemen, set up drone bases all over Africa, AFRICOM. All of Africa has U.S. drone bases. There's no U.S. drone that won't be able to strike any target in Africa outside of two hours right now. The entire world was militarized on the slogan, the war on terror. And then in 2018, the Pentagon issued what was called its quadrennial report every four years. And they said, we have a new military doctrine. The war on terror is over. And I'm like, okay, it's over. It's passe. We're pivoting to Asia now. When Obama first said, let's pivot to Asia, people didn't know what he meant. But we know what it means now. So the Pentagon said, no, it's not the war on terror. We're the new doctrine, and it's called preparation for major power conflict. That was five years ago under Trump, major power conflict. There was no debate in Congress, no debate in the mainstream media, no discussion whatsoever. But if you take a poll now, as people are doing, how the American people feel about China, 80% of the people fear or hate China. There's this rising tide of anti-Asian violence being perpetrated against Chinese Americans and Asian Americans in the streets of this country because suddenly the American people are hating China. They weren't hating China in 2005. Why, why are we hating China now? What did China do between 2018 or 2005 and now? What countries has it invaded? What has China actually done? Nothing has changed in terms of China's orientation. China's main priority is its own economic development. Its big accomplishment was that it lifted 850 million people out of extreme poverty. What is extreme poverty? $2.3 per day. They got 850 million Chinese people to now make what? $5 a day? That's a big achievement because it's the elimination of extreme poverty. But does that indicate that China is on the march, attempting global domination, challenging US hegemony, threatening the United States, engaging in some sort of adventurism against the United States? China hasn't changed. What's changed is the US military doctrine changed with the quadrennial report and the announcement that we are now preparing for war with China and Russia, the two major powers, major power conflict. And so the American people in this five years 
without knowing that they're being propagandized, without knowing that there's a possible different way to look at U.S. foreign policy, they've all been acclimated to this extreme hostility, in particular to China. And it's not because of any other reason than the U.S. government is preparing the American people for an actual war with China, just as they prepared the American people or tried to before the Iraq invasion for war against Iraq. That's all for this preview. If you'd like access to the rest of this talk, an invitation to join us for monthly patron-only Q&A seminars, and access to our entire archive of years of exclusive seminars with Brian Becker, become a patron at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We're an independent show and we cannot make this programming without you. Thanks so much for your support. 